0: Well, good morning, friends. This is podcast number 567 for Monday, the 13th of June. Just a reminder, I'm going to finish up June and then I'm going to take a break from the podcast, a little sabbatical for two months. There will be, uh, Don is organizing some guest speakers um, to kind of speak on some things. I'm not going to have any control over that. I'm just going to let him do his thing. I'm not saying that I will agree or disagree with anything that is said. Um, It's just going to be somebody teaching. And so take that. And uh, hopefully there's uh, things that we can learn from each of those. I'll be listening to them myself, uh, just hopefully enjoying them. So uh, anyway, podcast number 567 uh, for Monday, the 13th of June. We're going to be in Revelation 13 verses 1 and 2 as we get into looking at the Antichrist. But let us pray first. I, Lord, I ask you to open our eyes, enhance our understanding so that we can grasp what you want us to learn today. I also ask you to enable us by your spirit to apply the truths that we learn to our daily lives and to be guided moment by moment by your word in Jesus' precious and holy name. We pray. Amen. Revelation 1, 3, blessed, let's read it out loud. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it for the time is near. Turn to Revelation 13. In previous lesson, we focused on Satan being ousted from heaven, which is a, a future event, um, and then he and his angels go after Uh, with intensity, uh, the Jews, uh, with incredible persecution. And so let's read Revelation chapter 13. We'll just get in through a couple verses today. And I saw beast. uh, If you wanted to, you could underline beast. uh, I mean, it's mentioned 32 times in um, Revelation talking about the Antichrist. And I saw a beast rising out of the sea with ten horns and seven heads, with ten diadems on its horns and blasphemous names on its heads. And the beast, there it is again, that I saw was like a leopard, its feet like a bear's, and its mouth like a lion's mouth. And to it the dragon gave its power and its throne and its great authority. So let's take a look at this Antichrist uh, figure Today it says, I saw a beast out of the sea. Revelation pictures the Antichrist as a beast 32 different times. And the image points to a brutal, bloody, uncontrolled and wild character of this diabolical, um, diabolical dictator. Now, at first we know that he comes as an agent of peace in the midst of time where there was no peace. And so he is this false sense of peace bringing the world together. It also uh, contrasts the Antichrist with Christ, who is most commonly called the Lamb. The Lamb saves sinners, but the beast persecutes and executes the saints. The Lamb is gentle, whereas the beast is ferocious. The Lamb is loving, but the beast is heartless and cruel. The beast rises out of the sea. The the sea refers to the Gentile nations, not a physical sea, but a sea of people. Look at uh, Revelation chapter 17. And verse 15, and the angel said to me, the, an- the waters that you saw where the prostitute is seated are peoples and multitudes and la- nations and languages. Um, as opposed to the Jewish language, we're looking, which is more, excuse me, the Jewish people, which is more symbolized by tribes. It mentions these nations. Um, so this indicates that the Antichrist will most likely be a Gentile. Anti can mean instead of, or against, or opposed to. So Antichrist can mean instead of Christ. So someone that is not a believer in Christ can be Antichrist without being the Antichrist. That's the whole point of this. They can be against Christ or opposed to Christ. The Antichrist is the man of lawlessness, the son of destruction, who will lead the world into rebellion against God. We know that from Paul's teaching in 2 Thessalonians. And let's look at a couple scriptures there. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 3. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 3. says, Let no one deceive you in any way, for that day will not come. What day? The day of all of this uh, crazy lawlessness, uh, uh, uncontrolled, which is going to, surprise you but it's going to get worse on this planet let no one deceive you in any way for that day will not come unless the re- uh unless the rebellion comes first and the man of lawlessness has revealed the son of destruction how will that happen there will be a removal of the holy spirit uh in the church as we know it the church will be removed look at verse eight and then the lawless one um let's read verse seven for the mystery of lawlessness is already at work which is obvious only he who now restrains it meaning the Holy Spirit within the church will do so until he is out of the way and then the lawless one will be revealed whom the Lord Jesus will kill with the breath of his mouth and bring to nothing by the appearance of his coming that's the second coming he will destroy him the coming of the lawless one is by activity is by the activity of Satan with all power and false signs and wonders, and with all wicked deception for those who are perishing because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved. Those that are perishing are perishing because they refuse to love the truth, Jesus Christ, John chapter 14, verse 6, the way, the truth, and the life. And that's why they are perishing. They're not perishing because God uh, just randomly picks up a certain person to go to hell. I don't believe that. They're perishing and and... And this is what Paul says is because they have rejected uh, what is true and they went to what is false. They rejected the truth and believed the lie and believed the deception. Now, let's go to Revelation chapter 11 and verse 17. Revelation chapter 11, verse 17 says this. We give thanks to you, Lord God Almighty, who was and who who is and who was, for you have taken your great power and begun to reign. Uh, Excuse me, it's 11 verse 7, but you've got an extra scripture there for free. Uh, Verse 7, and when they'd finished their testimony, the beast that rises from the bottomless pit will make war on them and conquer them and kill them. So we see this lawless beast coming up against those who were the two witnesses at this point and comes up against them. And killed them, and uh, he will deceive multitudes. Look at uh, Revelation chapter 19, and verse 20. And the beast was captured, and with it the false prophet who was in the presence, in its presence, had done the signs by which he deceived those who had received the mark of the beast and those who worshipped its image. These two were thrown alive into the lake of fire that burns with sulfur. The beast and the dragon were were thrown into. Um, the fire they were, um, they were burned, and they'd be. They're going to be there for quite a while. And then, how did they deceive them? They deceived them with signs. People are so into external things today that they're going to be deceived by these signs that are done, and they're going to say, "Well, this must be from God because there are signs." No, there's going to be deception, great deception, to come about. Then it says in in chapter 13, verse 1, with 10 horns and seven heads. Horns eventually become symbols of power and then of dominion, representing kingdoms and kings. And uh, if we were to compare this with the, the text in Daniel chapter 7, we conclude that the Antichrist will rise from 10 kingdoms that will constitute a revived Roman Empire, the final form of Gentile world power before Christ returns. Uh, Look at, uh, just on your own this week, Daniel chapter 7, verses 16 through 24. Some Bible expositors say the seven heads are the principal rulers of the Antichrist, uh, revived Roman kingdoms. Some believe that there's 10 and then there's seven because the Antichrist conquers three of them. Uh, others suggest that the seven heads may be the successive world empires, Egypt, Assyria, Babylon, Babylon Medo-Persia, um, Medo-Persia, Greece, Rome, and the Antichrist revived Roman Empire. Still others say the seven heads represent seven mountains. Look at Revelation 17, verse 9. I thought this was interesting that Ron Rhodes brought up. Uh, 17 and verse 9. Um, 17 and verse nine, this calls for a mind with wisdom. The seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman is seated. And, um, those seven mountains, uh, symbolize Rome because, uh, Rome was built on, uh, seven mountains. A mountain can symbolize a kingdom. Uh, we see that in Daniel chapter two, but it also may be a veiled reference to Rome, which was built on seven hills. I thought that was incredibly interesting that it was built on uh, these seven mountains or seven hills. Verse chapter 17 and verse 18 says, and the woman that you saw is the great city that has dominion over the kings of the earth. That This is uh, could be representative just in figurative language of Rome just as a, another reminder that this Antichrist will come out of this um, uh, um, and he will come out of the Gentile nations and he will revive the Roman Empire, which the more and more I read this, the more and more uh, I study this, the more and more I think that is true. With 10 diadems on his horns, the 10 diadems or crowns point to the dominion of the Antichrist kingdom, which will eventually embrace the entire globe. How will he do it? First, he will do it through peace. And then he will do it through complete control through peace, and then complete control. And blasph- blasphemous names on its heads, these point to the Antichrist's character. He will have a mouthful of blasphemy, verses five and six says, and he will exalt himself above all that is called God and that, or that is worship. Look at 2 Thessalonians again. Um, as I study the Old Testament and the and Revelation, I realize that as we study prophecy, you can't get out of Matthew chapter 24 or 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 either. Chapter 2 verse 4 says, uh, of the man of lawlessness, he opposes and exalts himself above every so-called God or object of worship so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, proclaiming himself to be God. And who is the one who controls the Antichrist but Satan? And what was Satan's desire in Isaiah fourteen fourteen? to exalt himself above God. So now Satan is doing it through the Antichrist. Um, Again, because it is his way of deceiving people, not just coming to them saying, hey, I'm Satan, but he comes to them in the form of this great uh, wise leader who all of a sudden turns on each and every one that supported him. In verse 2, we get into more of Daniel language. It says, uh, the beast that I saw was a leopard. Much of the imagery in this verse is from that Daniel 7 that I I shared with you that you should read this week. The leopard was known for swiftness and cunning and agility. And this imagery is Daniel's, uh, represents uh, Greece under Alexander the Great, which had a swift, cunning, and agile army. They just moved with such great speed. Such will be the case with the Antichrist as he comes into world dominion. Then it goes on to say its feet were like a bear's. The bear in Daniel's account refers to Medo-Persia, well known for his strength and its fierceness in battle. Such strength and fierceness will certainly characterize the Antichrist and his forces. Then it goes on to say its mouth was like a lion. The lion in Daniel's account refers to Babylon with lion-like qualities of power and strength. Babylon was known for its ability to move quickly like a lion. Such qualities will characterize the Antichrist. As a comparison of Daniel or Daniel 7 with Revelation 13, 2, reveals that the final world empire of the Antichrist, a, revi- a revived world uh, Roman empire, will be rooted in all the previous empires. It will unite in a single kingdom, the evil and power that characterized all the previous kingdoms. Then it goes on to say to it, the dragon gave its power and throne and great authority. The ultimate source of the Antichrist power is Satan. Now, as I was putting this together and as I was, you know, deciding what to share and what not to share, I got to a point where I thought, sound hopeless? Well, in one sense, it really is for the world outside of Christ. But first we need to realize that it's in Christ that our hope is found. So I didn't want to end on a negative today. I want to take a look at who is our hope. 2nd sec, Thessalonians chapter 2 verses 3 and 4. It says, let no one deceive you in any way, for that day will not come unless the rebellion comes first. And the law, man of lawlessness, is revealed, the son of destruction, who opposes and exalts himself against every so called God or object of worship, so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, proclaiming himself to be God. That's going to be a very difficult time on this earth. And it sounds, if you read it and we stop there, as if there is no hope. But we need to realize that it's all part of the plan of God. Turn back to Daniel chapter 7. We'll read a couple verses. Daniel chapter 7 Daniel is given a dream and he says, uh, The Son of Man um, is given dominion in this dream. I saw, verse 13, in the night visions, and behold, With the clouds of heaven, there came one like the son of man. And he came to the ancient of days and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all people's nations and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away. And his kingdom, one that shall not be destroyed. Talking about our Christ. Talking about coming in clouds of glory and majesty and power, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Of his kingdom, there will be no end. Jesus, in talking at one point, and defending, in a sense, himself before uh, the Sanhedrin, uh, admits that he is the Christ. He admits um, exactly who he is. And he says, and you will see the son of man coming in clouds of glory. And the high priest tore his robes because he knew exactly who Jesus was. uh, The scripture that Jesus was mentioning and knew exactly what Jesus was saying. He said, I am the son of man of Daniel chapter seven. I am the one who will come in majesty and power. How did Jesus leave this earth? Acts chapter one. Verse 9, and when he had said these things, as they were looking on the disciples, he was lifted up, Jesus was, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, and white robes, and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go in to heaven. This Jesus, the Jesus that they knew, the Jesus that we read about, is going to appear again. He's going to appear first to his church in what I believe is a pre-tribulation rapture. People call it the secret event. It's not a secret event. It's not a secret event. It's going to just. It's going to bring unbelievable calamity to this world when the Christians are taken out. Imagine if you will. Every job that a Christian uh, uh, possesses, every house that a Christian pays on, every car that a Christian pays on, every job that a Christian has, they're all Christians are gone. So people aren't going to be showing up for work that are believers because they're going to be gone in the rapture. People aren't going to be home. They're not going to be answering their phones. There will be no bodies laying around because their bodies are gone. The people who were paying the mortgages, the Christians who were paying mortgages, will not be paying mortgages. Imagine what that does to the banking system. Cars will be left. Houses will be left. Everything will be left. Because we'll be with Jesus. Look at First Thessalonians 4, verse 16. It says, for the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, will be le- who are left, will be caught up together with him in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Not, he's not coming here first. He's coming to the clouds, and we'll meet him in the air. And so will all we, we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. That's what I want to do. In closing, I want to encourage you with these words that the Lord is coming back. He's coming back for his church. The Bible calls it a church without spot or wrinkle. It's his bride, the bride that he gave his life for. So as we read into the Antichrist and how horrible it will be on the earth, just remember we're not going to be here. We're going to be with him in eternity. Let me pray for us in 2nd Peter chapter 3 verse 18, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. God bless you till we talk again.